Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Data Center Podcast. We have with us today Deepak Patil, his senior VP and GM of the Dell Cloud business. Deepak, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Evgeny. Really excited to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. Deepak was one of the engineers who started and built the Microsoft Azure platform. Um, then he went to Oracle after, I think, about, was it 15 years at Microsoft? That's and right. And at Oracle, he led the launch of its second-gen cloud platform. Um, he's now at Dell Technologies, leading all things cloud strategy and business. Um, you joined Dell just over a year ago. Back in 16, when we last talked, Oracle platform was about to launch. Um, you said you, what was attractive about that was well, going to Oracle to do that. Was uh, you, you like to take the chance to build a cloud platform from scratch using the experience of building Azure. And I guess many of your colleagues felt the same. Um, now you're at Dell, what brought you to Dell? Um, not, I mean, I'm sure Dell, there's a lot of innovation happening at Dell, but they're not perceived as, uh, you know, a company breaking new ground. That's right. They're, well, Dell is perceived to be, definitely not perceived to be the company breaking new cloud ground yet. Definitely perceived to be a company that is driving some incredible innovation in infrastructure through our work and partnership with VMware because VMware is a part of Dell Technologies family. The entire virtualization, lifecycle management, security stack, uh, storage, compute, networking. And we are a 170 plus thousand people company. So uh, definitely at the tip of the sword in terms of just innovation across the entire stack of infrastructure. While uh, Evgeny, I've been in the, my role in Dell Technologies for about a little over a year now. I've been part of the Dell Technologies family for close to three years now. Uh, I actually joined Virtustream to lead product and engineering and technology and operations for Virtustream. And I uh, I was asked by, by, by the, the leadership team to take on the role to actually lead the Dell Cloud business primarily because of both where we are at as a company in terms of the generational transformation we are driving across everything as a service. And more importantly, where the rest of the industry is in terms of just the general inflection around how hybrid and multi-cloud are shaping to be the, the default operating paradigms for how the workloads are, are designed and modernized and how overall the general the conversation around cloud and the and the concept of cloud is shaping up to be an operating model and not a destination so both the opportunity to to drive the change and overall maturation in the industry about how we all look at cloud and then drive a generational transformation inside dell technologies about the role we have to play uh, towards that you know, uh, evolution uh, are the two things that kind of drew me to the opportunity. And it's been a phenomenal journey. Uh, very happy. Of course, we got, a, we got a tall hill to climb and there's no confusion about that in anybody's mind. Uh, but uh, the level of commitment, investments, uh, and the sense of energy inside the company is just incredible. So. So this is a different role for you in that it's you know, 
in your prior roles, you were focused 100% on technology, on building the infrastructure, building cloud platforms. Uh, this role is right. less of that and more of business strategy, operating models, etc. It's a combination. Of course, the, the teams that I directly lead are the engineering teams. We, we announced that the Dell Technologies Cloud Console at uh, the Dell Tech World a couple of months ago. Uh, my organization leads design, development, delivery of the Dell Technologies Cloud Console. Uh, and a big part of the role, as you correctly called out, is really drive transformation across the company. Uh, everything from our, our uh, finance models to go-to-market motions to uh, our, of course, engineering systems and, and our services. And working with my colleagues and peers across the company in driving transformation is actually one of the more exciting parts of my job. Mm -hmm. And transformation of Dell technologies, not uh, not just transformation of your customers, right? We're not talking about digital transformation of enterprises. That's right. Okay. That's right. That's right. And uh, so HyperCloud is the course everybody seems to have agreed on. Um, when at Microsoft building Azure, did you, at the time, think public cloud was the future and, and all workloads would eventually run that way? Or did you did you always feel that there would, would always be a mix? Well, when I was at Microsoft, we, uh, I mean, it was kind of the, the, the top of the first inning in terms of evolution of cloud. And 10 years ago, we, we, we wouldn't have seen how ubiquitous the cloud operating model would become. And even then, when we launched, for example, the, one of the first things that we launched in Azure was the, the Azure appliances. And uh, then Azure Stack and, and uh, kind of similar things that, that would bring the cloud experiences to customer data centers. So while there was a general belief that public cloud is going to be a key component of how this operating model evolves, there was also this acknowledgement that over time, the need to meet customers where they're at uh, and bring cloud experiences to customers' data centers, uh, that has always been a theme across the industry, not just Microsoft. Some companies have embraced it more willingly and more openly than some other companies. But uh, everybody who's been building cloud platforms knows that for the last 15 years, we've been talking about the fact that everything's gonna move to public clouds in the next two years. Uh, so <clears throat> uh, now, as you call out, hybrid clouds, something that everybody's kind of starting to rally around. And it's another inflection point in how we all look to cloud and the entire paradigm of cloud. And, and uh, I mean, AWS was kind of the powerful, the powerful voice uh, spinning that narrative that everything right. is moving to the cloud because they, they, did, they didn't have That's existing right. business interest in on-prem data centers. Yes, and, and even AWS has, em has started to em embrace yeah. this, this hybrid multi-cloud uh, 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 reality more than anything else through, of course, announcements around outposts and the investments they're making there, as well as if you look at the last reInvent, I mean, EKS Anywhere, uh, ECS Anywhere, uh, general focus on outposts, it's just a 
it just underscores the the commitment all of the cloud providers are making to the real to the realization that they've had is that workloads are going to stay on prem in customer data centers workloads are going to be in colo providers data centers the workloads are going to be in public cloud workloads are going to be on the edge and whoever and workloads are going to be spanning across multiple cloud providers customers want options they want flexibility they want choice they want simplicity and whoever delivers a consistent seamless simple experience across all of these different operating environments allowing customers to focus on their business imperatives performance reliability efficiency security extensibility access to innovation in upper stacks of the of the of the platform easy uh, extensibility uh, development democratization whoever provides kind of easy ways to achieve these types of business imperatives is going to succeed and whether whether the cloud offerings stay within a hyperscaler data center or a customer data center are means to that end and i think everybody's starting to realize right. so it's the the applications and their needs that dictate what sort of infrastructure will be underneath so let's talk about dell technologies cloud platform uh, relatively new product it's hyper-converged infrastructure on-premises, sold and consumed as a service, runs on VxRail, VMware Cloud Foundation. It's been, what, about a year that has been on the market? It's been, the, the Dell Technologies Cloud Platform as an offering has been, has been in the market for a year. It's been purchased by several hundred customers, several hundred large customers, as well as small, uh, to run their kind of mission-critical applications and, and important workloads. But the Dell Technologies Cloud Platform is essentially a, a start of the start of the what we call the Rolling Thunder, uh, or a drumbeat of everything as a service. So while we announced the Dell Technologies Cloud Platform at the last Dell Tech World in 2019, and and have made a series of kind of multi-cloud uh, uh, capabilities across our storage portfolio through the announcements we made with Google earlier in the year available to our customers. Uh, data protection portfolio has, is, is, is being uh, delivered as a service. The announcements we made at this Dell Tech World around our commitment to Project Apex and uh, the commitment to deliver everything in our portfolio as a service uh, is really the path that we're on. And over time, the Dell Tech Cloud Platform will become one of the core components that, of that everything as a service direction and portfolio. Uh, but it was in more ways than one a harbinger of things and, and to come. One interesting us. bit from that Apex announcement was, um, you know, you're talking about everything that Dell sells delivered as a service that includes PCs and laptops. That includes that includes our consumer portfolio as well. You're spot on. Companies will be able to basically rent laptops from Dell. How the offers are designed uh, across the consumer portfolio, uh, we have a few of them. Kind of, we call them PC as a service today available on the truck, but uh, the the broad as a serviceification or however we want to call it 
uh, of that entire portfolio is essentially work in progress. And, and as the offers get rolled out, our kind of our customers, partners will learn right. more about and, it. And so geographic expansion of this offering has been gradual since this infrastructure gets deployed on-prem, presumably the data center space is already there. What needs to be done, How do you, like when you guys add a region to the list, what goes into adding uh, a region? I think there are three or four things, three or four kind of big ticket items that go into into geographic expansion. Uh, of course, extending the entire console experience to all of those geographies is a, is a key component of it. And by console, I essentially mean, hey, our, it's, it's, it needs to be fully self-serve, modern, OPEX-based experience where our customers can go online through a, through a fairly wide catalog of offers. They can browse through whatever we have to offer, pick and choose without needing human intervention and assistance, pick and choose what they want to purchase, actually go through the entire process of transacting uh, uh, the offer from us, then the the IT teams can provision and deploy workloads, including hybrid hybrid clouds across a, a, a set of data centers. Then they can monitor and manage those workloads, take actions like expand the infrastructure using real time data and insights, and and ensure it kind of assume that all of that just gets taken care of them uh, for themselves right so the console itself is is a cloud platform console is essentially the the core orchestration layer for the entire cloud operating model so there's infrastructure work that needs to be done to implement it in a new region to implement it globally that's number one element the second element is essentially ensuring that all of our sales motions and seller tools and all of our financial models for a real as a service opex based pay as you go subscription type uh, uh, model are extended globally that is the second big body of work third big body of work is delivering our one of the things that we are very keen on is leading the industry with 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 the with with a very modern and cloudy time to value uh, of course, as Dell Technologies, we have one of the best, if not the best supply chain set of capabilities in the company. Dell, the Dell Tech Cloud Platform, our customers can essentially order and have it operational in their data center in 14 days. And extending that capability from purchase to operational cloud in their data centers in 14 days or fewer is another capability that we are extending globally, for did example. The, did the pandemic and its pressure on supply chains um, expand that 14-day window? Expand in what, what ways? You made it, make it harder? Made it longer? Uh, not really. Actually, the customers who have purchased uh, the Delta Cloud platform over the last eight months, which have which there have been many, uh, we have been able to deliver, the, the, uh, deliver on the commitment that we made around 14-day time to value. Part of it is, of course, there's a, there's a component of uh, pre-positioning long lead items and, and components using our, our demand forecasting and our capacity planning capabilities, which we have and had done already pre-pandemic. And the second element is uh, actually one of the, if you look at 
the growth of our PC business through the pandemic in terms of just how how we have helped our customers shift into a work from home model overnight uh, and a core aspect of our ability to be able to do that has been our supply chain. So if anything, our supply chains come out in spades over the last eight months in really reacting and responding to the to the needs of uh, that accelerated delivery through the pandemic across the entire spectrum of our business. Mm -hmm. And and even though customers consume this infrastructure as a service, it sits um, in their own data centers. Um, how big is a typical deployment physically? Are we talking about one rack, full 10 megawatt data center? Today we have anything from four nodes up. You can, you can buy as few as four nodes or you can buy multiple racks and and we have customers that span the entire gamut. And regardless of how small or big your deployment is, we will deliver it in 14 days, not just deliver, we'll get it operational in 14 days. And we are, we are working to kind of make, it the, make the form factor even more flexible, go as, as small as two node uh, uh, deployments. Especially when customers expand, they can expand in as small increments as two nodes. And Edge is part of the offering um, Edge-type deployments. Um, have you seen customers um, use this this model for consuming infrastructure at the Edge a lot? Uh, so, so far, uh, a majority of our deployments have been in kind of core data centers. Uh, we are actually coming up with kind of edge skews for our our uh, cloud offers. It's a it's been a big part of our focus, and especially as we do the two node racks and and smaller form factors, both for our infrastructure as as well as the software footprint, and then the, and the management and the control plane that sits on on this infrastructure, uh, we expect that to take off quite handily. And it, so, as the product been has been around for about a year. Um... What sorts of iterations have you guys made since launch as you've observed it in the wild? Well, uh, one of the big transitions we made is essentially go from kind of selling customers nodes to selling customers what we call the instance capacity blocks. Where, and you will see that in, in when we launch a storage as a service as well. Where when you buy storage as a service from us, you, you pick, <clears throat> You pick your storage type. You can take block, for example, block or file store. You can pick your performance tier. You can pick your capacity tier. You can pick your capacity buffer and your network configuration. And then we will assemble the parts for you behind the scenes. In some cases, we'll pull together power scale. Some cases, we'll pull together power store. But we will abstract that complexity from our customers and deliver them what they want based on the choices they make in a true as a service model for them. And we will manage that uh, for them. And we'll allow our customers to draw the line in terms of what they want us to manage versus what they want to manage themselves. So a lot of the work over last year has been really uh, to abstract our products from our customers and really create this simple technological choices uh, for customers that they can decide upon based on the business imperatives that they are trying to drive towards. 
a subscription launch of an automated subscription model through the cloud console is another advancement where now customers can essentially go online to the Dell Technologies Cloud Console and in a self-serve immersive way, just go through the entire mechanism process of discovering what we have to offer, purchasing what we have to offer, tracking the deployment of what we're offering online. Uh, and then all, all, so the storage as a service, when it's in private preview today, a uh, uh, set of select customers are actually using it already and we will make it generally available uh, early next year. When storage as a service launches, it'll be a fully metered service where we will meter and rate the service every five minutes. And then uh, it'll be a true pay-as-you-go build and invoiced offer. Are there complications on the customer side adding to that 14 or adding to the, I guess, difficulty of fitting into that 14-day window, primarily um, with the data center space. So, yeah. you know, you're delivering large, large blocks of, of computing capacity. You know, they have to, the customer has to have the space ready to go, the, the appropriate power, yes. cooling. Um, how does that, how is that piece figured out usually? You're spot on. And actually, it's one of the areas that continues to get better. And it's an area we continue to learn and make investments in. Today, when you go to the Dell Technologies Cloud Console and you go, you're going through the process of purchasing the, the, the Dell Technologies Cloud Platform, we do what we call the site survey. We essentially ask the customers online, of course, a series of questions to learn about their data center, their data center space, power, cooling, connectivity and all of that. And uh, I can tell you that that service matured so much over last year based on the lessons we have learned from the customers who have purchased and gone through this. So, and it will continue to get better. It needs to continue to get better because every customer has their own challenges, as you called out, their own kind of specific requirements or their own specific connectivity issues and things like that. So, and that's kind of one of the things about how the entire private cloud model, hybrid cloud model will evolve as well and is evolving as well. Because now we we want to, while we on one end, we're abstracting the complexities of our products from our customers. On the other end, we are trying to figure out the right way to abstract the diversities of different data centers and their setups from how the products are delivered to the customers as well. And it's a phenomenally interesting challenge. Looking in from outside, it seems like the easiest way for, the easiest way to handle the data center part would be to go into a colo, one of the more modern colos where, you know, those those that facilities are ready. You're right. ready. They have space at the ready. They, they, they're, you know, they deploy all the time. So they're really good at this. They have this dialed in. Um, have you seen have you seen most of these deployments go into colos or do most go into on-prem data centers so far most of them have gone to on-prem data centers but i am a big believer of the off-prem private cloud model and the scale and scope of the growth for the off-prem private cloud model i do think that there is, there is a non-trivial number of customers who 
will want to essentially take the complexity out of their data centers, work with colo providers, and will want to work in a private cloud kind of model uh, so that they maintain control, they, they have choice and flexibility of the infrastructure that they can choose. And uh, for, for whatever reasons, the uh, 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 public cloud doesn't work for them for, for performance, data sovereignty, security, access, control, uh, whatever number of reasons. Uh, the announcement we made, I think, last month with Switch and FedEx is, a, is an example of us starting to get really kind of assertive about how the off-prem private cloud paradigm gets designed and developed. And uh, I'm actually very bullish about where that's going to go. I mean, the work that we're do already starting to do with Switch and FedEx has been very interesting in terms of taking out the exact complexities that you talked about, Evgeny, in terms of diverse data center infrastructures and standardizing it on that end. Hmm. Can you talk a bit more about that? So the FedEx announcement, to me, I mean, it it seemed more about, what, well, first of all, it doesn't deal with colos, right? These are, these are edge deployments at FedEx logistics mm -hmm. sites. How, um, you're talking about off-premise, off-premise um, private cloud. Um, are you looking at those FedEx sites as potentially places where other customers could put their hybrid cloud infrastructure? Not yes. just FedEx, because it's being built for FedEx at the, uh, from the start. That's exactly right. So FedEx, That's exactly so FedEx right. running essentially co-location facilities at their location, at their uh, logistics sites. Yes. With, with, of course, in partnership with Switch as the, uh, it's not built for FedEx. It's, it's built essentially as an off-prem private cloud in partnership with FedEx. And of course, Switch as a colo provider, connectivity provider in particular, and Dell as both the infrastructure, software, and service provider. Mm -hmm. So they will be, these locations will be powered with Dell Technologies Cloud Platform the entire stack and the storage compute services in future. So what sort of what sorts of companies have been using the cloud platform service? Um, are, have you seen any trends in certain verticals being you know, gravitating more to this type of offering? Yeah, yeah, so that's a really good question. And it's, it's, it, it, it's also one that underscores how cloud adoption is evolving, Yogini. Uh, if you look at what has happened over the last 10 years, uh, a very good portion of workloads that have moved to the public clouds have been dev test kind of experimental workloads. And it kind of makes sense. This, this promise of small form factors of capacity near instantly available is a very, very interesting and important value proposition for dev test type workloads we do believe that the next important frontier for modernization is mission-critical, important workloads that are kind of lifebloods of a lot of kind of, lot of companies. I do fundamentally believe that lift and shift doesn't exactly work for these workloads because there's some element of re-engineering involved integration with legacy systems and applications involved. Uh, 
management infrastructure involved and but they still need to be modernized and that's really where meeting them where they're at and bringing the cloudy experiences to them becomes so much more important and i mean there's there's more than 80 million vms running vmware stack virtualized uh, workloads running vmware vms across the globe and growing quite fast so we already have a fairly captive uh, uh, user base and customer base that loves the vmware ecosystem everything from the virtualization stack from vxrail and vcf to service lifecycle management stack to realize automation and other management technologies to now security uh, uh, stack so customers who are who are running their mission critical applications and workloads on the vmware in the vmware ecosystem uh, are one of the first and foremost in in jumping into this model customers who have kind of more line of business workloads SAP ecosystem, their their uh, uh, kind of workloads of uh, systems of record and systems of uh, uh, tracking those types of workloads are are uh, embracing and adopting the the uh, Dell Technologies cloud platform. And another element is that the spread of customers from small and medium businesses to large enterprises like, for example, Woolworth, uh, we've seen a fairly even spread across the entire spectrum of size of the customers. But some very clear themes about the types of workloads that are, that are embracing this private hybrid cloud model through Dell Technologies Cloud Platform. It's interesting, you mentioned SAP and you know ERP type workloads. I haven't haven't really thought about those as as workloads that need the kind of quick elastic scalability I agree. Um, um, that cloud provides so apart from the ease of deployment why would customers want to you know subscribe to the infrastructure that runs those workloads yeah i think there are four or five components that customers find attractive uh one element one element is customers who are already in the VMware ecosystem love it, uh, get to modernize without complete re-architecture of their VMware stack. So cost of modernization is very low. Secondly, especially accelerated by the, the, the pandemic, customers get to embrace this new subscription pay as you go uh, usage based way of doing business and shift more into opex driven models than capex heavy models they love it thirdly in an as a service model we 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 abstract the product complexity from our customers and we manage it customers love it as well I see. So, so that the ongoing management is, is off their hands that's and, right okay fourthly the the software bits are delivered over the network as service in a continuous integration continuous delivery model there is no 
concept of version 1 and version 4 and upgrades and things like that. We again abstract that complexity of upgrades from our customers. They like it. And lastly, uh, kind of one of the things that cloud as an operating model has done is democratize software development. Access to kind of software development tools and technologies is a key component of it that we are just, especially with VMware Tanzu, uh, that is part of VCF 4.0. And VCF 4.0 is a key component of the Dell Technologies Cloud Platform, uh, extending the power of kind of democratized container-based software development through Tanzu to our customers has been a big value proposition as well. Okay, and, then, and of course, easy integration with public clouds and all the tools that they provide. Access to upper stack services yeah. is, is a, right. is a okay. big draw as well, you're right. Okay, um, I'm glad you mentioned VMware because that was my next question. Much of the strength in Dell's cloud strategy comes from, from the close relationship with VMware and VM, VMware positions itself as, as cloud Switzerland, kind of, you know, we treat everybody equally uh, regardless mm -hmm. of who owns us. Um, still, you know, from the outside, it's hard to believe that VMware treats HP or Lenovo the same as it does Dell. It's, you know, majority owner. Um, so does, are there some sort of um, formalized guardrails or lines we do not cross in the VMware and Dell relationship to ensure that that there isn't preferential treatment or that, you know, there isn't a perception of preferential treatment, you know, which would undermine VMware's own um, value proposition. Yeah, I wouldn't, of course, I wouldn't go into the specifics of the lines or the guardrails, but the thing that I can tell you is that there's a 20 year history of very, very close partnership between Dell and VMware that started way before VMware became part of the Dell Technologies family. And uh, it continues, and it will continue in future. Uh, our, our Dell Technologies Cloud Platform is founded upon very, very tight integration between VxRail and the VMware virtualization stack. And that's, it's not a tag-along integration. Our engineers have worked kind of right next door to each other for many, many months in driving really, really tight integration across day zero, day one, and day two uh, operations. And it's quite apparent in how, for example, how service management, lifecycle management's done, how dashboarding is done, uh, and how the combined value prop of VxRail and VCF is, is, is conveyed to our customers. So the, in many ways, the proof is in the in the pudding with respect to how VCF and VxRail integrate with each other versus some of the other integrations. But beyond that, that level of partnership will continue. Would you know? Would would VMware be able to do the same kind of you know engineers sitting next door to each other um, with HP, for example? Well, I think that's that's their decision, and as you correctly called out VMware is Switzerland. Uh, I was kind of speaking primarily about the commitment we have shown on the Dell side to to really make those bets and drive that integration and that will continue. So if VMware is finally spun off, um, will relationship basically continue as, you know, continue the same? 
Oh, absolutely, 100%. It's, it's founded upon 20 years of deep technical integration and partnership. And uh, we, we built a symbiotic kind of relationship, built joint customer base. And together, I mean, we've always believed that together we have, we have phenomenal opportunities to help our customers modernize. And then regardless of what happens, Michael's still the chairman of both the companies. Yeah. So if there, if there is a, a change in kind of the business structure, the technology relationship will, will not change. How did, so I want to go back a little bit to Switch and FedEx. Um, I'm just curious Please. about how that deal mm -hmm. came about. It's very interesting. And um, I know you said it's not built for FedEx. And I do understand that um, FedEx is kind of the, you know, the first user of it, right? I just tell me about how that happened. How did that start? It kind of stemmed, Devagini, from the, the fact that we do believe and continue to believe that off-prem private cloud is a massive, massive category. And Switch has been a leader in in uh, both Colo and, and Edge locations with fairly large footprint and presence and connectivity options and a track record of doing some really innovative work. Uh, FedEx is if FedEx came to the table with with the options that they have and commitment to kind of uh, carry their part of the bargain, and we have of course always believed about the the power of our cloud operating model, as well as the power of integrated innovation between Dell and VMware through the Dell Technologies cloud platform, and it felt like a phenomenal opportunity to to kind of get three committed parties together to to define a category that has been underserved by cloud providers in the cloud industry overall and that category being off-prem private cloud off-prem right? private cloud and and so from from what i said for fedex this is more than just off-prem private cloud this is very much about the edge they're looking at um automating automating their logistics sites they're looking at um, drone delivery, robotic, robotics at the site. Right. So, so yes. this is this is kind of the the point for them in this infrastructure, right? Very much so. Okay, um, Intel, their iron grip on the data center market appears to be finally loosening. Um, maybe it just appears so, but definitely seems like there's a lot of momentum that others have. You know, AMD has hit it out of the park in the x86 area. ARM has been gaining steam slowly but surely in servers. Uh, Risk five servers are on the horizon. Um, do you think we'll get to a point finally where you have a variety of server chip vendors competing on more or less equal footing? I think the the industry is going to go where the industry is going to go, and it's 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 interesting to see the competition. Our our relationship with Intel is strong. It has been strong, and similar to kind of other partners, we've we've invested over many many years, and the specifics of kind of where we see this going, I think I'm going to leave that to my, my colleagues in the server and the chip parts of our business. I figured as a, as a, uh, a long-time cloud <laughs> architect. As, as a long-time cloud architect, I think it's, it's really interesting to see the industry wall and, and uh, kind of just from my personal point of view, a lot of it is going to be driven by uh, verticalization of workloads you know more than what each player does and we've we've seen some of that with with the way nvidia has evolved and and the way amd has evolved as well i think uh verticalization of 
workload modernization is going to drive a lot of essentially going to reshape where the where the chips fall no pun intended uh, in terms of what these players do and um Nick, can you explain what you mean by verticalization of workloads? This is vertical as opposed to horizontal. Well, what I mean by that is, if you if you look at mobile workloads, if you look at uh, uh, specific industry work, uh, verticals and the need for specific industry verticals for for their modernization, uh, I think because every company is becoming a software company the the software driven tam across each industry vertical is large enough now and getting to be large enough to to require specific software and engineering innovation across the software and the cloud stack driven for that industry vertical and that's happening not just in the chips uh, uh, and processor area, but that's happening across the board. Uh, specific innovation driven for industry verticals is a key theme across all cloud providers. So again, applications, workloads, driving the infrastructure. That's exactly yeah. right. Deepak, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for talking to us. Here we're gonna it was a pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for having me and uh, happy holidays to you. And I, I hope you're staying safe and doing well.